Hi everyone, welcome back to Prevention Nation, where we believe education and awareness can change the culture of violence. I'm your host, Roy Lutz. <clears throat> Do you know how to play instruments? Um, I, I mean, I dabbled on the piano growing up. I could play a little bit of piano. I'd really like to learn how to play the guitar. That's really what I'd like to learn. But okay. who has time for that? I'm in law school. Who does have time for that? And, you know, two kids, two and a half kids, and, you know, whatever. I mean, who's yeah. got time for that? I think the instrument I've always wanted to play was uh, play was harmonica. I met a guy <laughs> named... Uh, harmonica would be fun. Yes, yeah, so when I used to work at Domino's Pizza in Montemidae, Minnesota... Um, this guy used to come in. He would wear Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota, and he always wore like this train engineer hat <laughs> yeah. and like overalls. Okay, and he had harmonicas everywhere on him. And his name okay. was, believe it or not, Ivar Vikingstead. And um, I still I'm remember his Minnesota name. I can never forget that name. And uh, he, so he used to sit there and play like trains going by and all sorts yeah. of noises for me. I don't even know what he did. I mean, the guy would just walk around town. That's crazy. And one time I was like, you know, uh, where do you live and stuff like that? And he just lived right around the corner. So I went over to his place and he gave me a harmonica. I still have it. Yeah. And he had a whole wall of harmonicas. That's cool. And I had no idea there was that many I mean, the... varieties of kinds. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the fun thing about a harmonica would be like basically it could go anywhere with you. You could keep it in your back pocket. That's what I liked about it. He had music a, with them all the time. Sitting in a doctor's office waiting or, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in a pharmacy trying to figure out your prescriptions. You could just play the harmonica. Yeah. Probably would keep my blood pressure down. You know, welcome back to Prevention Nation. Uh, this is uh, Roy here with uh, my guest Tommy Koopman, and Tommy Koopman is from the Mental Health and Recovery Board of Warren and Clinton County. Yeah, I mean, a technical title is uh, Mental Health Recovery Board serving Warren and Clinton County, but you know, our name changes so <laughs> yeah, often. So. It's such a long name, uh, Tommy. Uh, really, what I want to talk about. I mean, you're in the office all the time, and we always talk, you know, shop uh, here. Um, can you talk with our listeners a little bit about what is the general direction that you see mental health and recovery board funding going to? What is what are some issues that I, I, you think are going to be you know top stories for 2023? Things that we need to work on and directions we need to go. Uh, specifically in prevention or just in general? Yeah, prevention. Prevention. Uh, you know, so I think there's a, there's a couple things coming. Um, I think with um, with the advent of COVID over the last couple of years, we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of issues related to mental health, especially especially in our younger population. Yeah, so I, I could see a, a, a switch to that. Um, we're talking at a, at a state level that there's going to be more funding for mental health prevention, which mm-hmm. I think is great. Yeah. Um, there's going to be more funding coming down the pipeline for mental health prevention. And so that's good. Um, you know, I, I mean, general, general directions. I think there are places where we could be better. Uh, I think we could have better relationships with the school districts um, yeah, absolutely. And, and fund fund some prevention that direction. I know the school districts are asking for it. The school districts we're meeting with are asking for it. So I see those as some really big things for 2023. Yeah, I do too. And I think that's a trend that we're seeing as well here at our agency. Uh, I mean, we just, uh, we're out there currently, uh, Maddie and I uh, in prevention, literally writing curriculums right now to meet all the different needs from the different requests from schools yeah. or, you know, and for every population, we're looking at all the way from early elementary, uh, all the way to high school. We're looking at, um, you know, all different varieties of classrooms with different kinds of students, different cognitive and functional abilities. Um, I mean, it's across the board. Well, I would say, you know, the great thing, uh, great thing, uh, you know, used loosely mm-hmm. about COVID is I think it has brought a broader a broader understanding and a broader respect for prevention. Mm-hmm. People under are, are looking and saying, "How do we? How do we prevent these things from happening? How do we prevent kids from getting to a position where they're dealing with, you know, major mental health crises?" And so, what can we do? What can we be doing on the front end? 
to help prevent that. So if there's anything good that has come out of COVID, I think it's that. I think it's that people are, are, are looking to prevention and and looking for prevention in places that they haven't traditionally. I, I couldn't agree with you more, but why do you think COVID highlighted that? What I mean, what do you think it is? What's the, what do you think it is about COVID that brought that out? Um, I, I honestly, my opinion, I believe it was sort of the radical change to people's lifestyles. You know, mm-hmm. people were used to going, you had kids that were used to going to school every day. You had adults that were used to going to work every day. And all of a sudden, what was their normal routine? I, humans are creatures of habit. We mm-hmm. are, we are yeah. creatures of routine. And all of a sudden, our routine was upended. And it yeah. was upended in a huge way. And so mentally, how do we deal with that? How do you, how do you deal with the fact that, you know, even things you might used to have done for your own mental health, like going to the gym, yeah, like people go absolutely. to the gym and work out and that's how they, how they manage their self-care. Um, and you can't do that anymore. Couldn't right. do that anymore. And, you know, for some folks it was maybe going to the park or going for a walk. And some of that was even challenging. Yeah, all of a sudden COVID. everything was restricted. Yeah. Correct. All of a sudden everything was restricted. So now I'm, I'm, I'm living and working and playing all in the same space. And some of my self-care routines are upended and how do I manage that? And so I think um, a lot of people felt the sort of the mental health effect of um, uh, routines being upended in just a major way. Yeah. And then and then you have that, you know, not only the routines upended, but you have populations that are all of a sudden, I mean, vast populations of uh, isolation and not just isolation away from their peers or friends, um, but oftentimes even family, isolated away from family sure. members and then isolated away uh, from services. And one of the things, and I would love your opinion on this, I see nowadays so many agencies moving to almost exclusive uh, counseling services, virtual counseling services. Uh, and I, you know, I can't like tele, telemed, telehealth. Mm-hmm. Telehealth, I, I don't know. yep. Um, What's your impression of mental health um, work being going in that direction a little bit? Um, I, th- I know we're kind of I, I going a, away from prevention a little sure, bit. Sure, I think it's I think it's a wonderful tool, but even some prevention is happening mm-hmm. is happening virtually. Um, I, I think it's a wonderful tool and used like any tool used in the right way yeah. and um, wielded by the right person can be a wonderful tool. I think. You know, if you try to use a hammer to put in a screw, mm-hmm. you know what? It's never going to work. Right. So I think in identifying where telehealth can be very can be very beneficial and can be very very useful, and finding ways to do that, I think it's great. I know one of the places that, especially in prevention, yeah, um, in really more early intervention, but you know, in some of those early intervention groups, like when we've got kids that have identified an issue, like let's say it's anxiety or depression, um, quite often we can do some group work with those students. Well. Mm-hmm. Prior to COVID, that all happened at the district. So, yeah. you know, if we had two kids at Kings and we had two kids at, at Waynesville and we had two kids at Springboro, all of those groups had to happen individually. Well, now through some of what we can do virtually, we can bring those students together virtually wow. and yeah. actually bring kids across districts and talk about issues and and do some intervention that way. I think it's a wonderful tool that way. Um, you know, the other great thing about telehealth is it allows folks for for whom driving to the doctor is a chore. You know, when oh, you think absolutely. about rural, some of our rural communities, um, you know, we cover both Warren and Clinton County. So some of the more the more rural areas of Clinton County, um, it allows folks who uh, who maybe driving to a doctor would be a, an all-day or a half-day event yeah. to now see their doctor, you know, on a relatively easy time schedule, see them when they can in their own space without having to travel. Oh, absolutely. So, the, the concept around access to service, I just think it... I think it solves a lot of uh, very 
difficult and challenging issues for a lot of people regarding transportation. And just even, you know, when you talk about single parents, my mother was a single mother, like taking time off of work. And even my wife and I, uh, you know, where it's a two, you know, we both work. Um, but getting our kid to a doctor's point, my, uh, my middle child needed a meningitis shot because uh, she couldn't even return back to school just this week unless she had that. But both my wife and I trying to find time off of work yeah. um, is challenging for things. So, you know, you know, that one she has obviously had to be in person for, for the physical. She could go do that herself. I mean, there's different things. But there were plenty of times where we have appointments that you're not needed physically in person. My wife and I wouldn't have to take time off work. You know, my mom recently was traveling. She was she was actually in Oklahoma mm-hmm. and had a medical issue and was able to have a tele a telehealth visit with a, a, a doctor, a nurse, and able to have them prescribe what she needed out of yeah. town and all of that. I mean, you know, you think about prior to telehealth, you would have had to have found a doctor somewhere else, mm-hmm. be established as a patient, do all of this stuff, or walk into a either a, a clinic or an urgent care. Yeah. Um, and now you don't have to do that. You can actually. I never even thought about that. We used to, we vacation in Florida all the time and we'd always, if I had to, you know, if we were sick, one of us, you know, myself, my wife or the kids, we'd have to run to urgent care. Yep. Now we could just, yeah, it hadn't yeah. occurred to me. I could just yeah. call my, do my regular yeah, doctor. Fact, my mom's insurance. Yeah. If your regular doctor will do that. Sometimes there's mm-hmm. uh, restrictions about where they're licensed and how they're able to practice. Yeah. But, um, but my, even my, so, you can get any doctor on telehealth. Yeah. Correct. And my, my mom's insurance actually has a nurse line. So she's able to call the nurse line. Oh, and wow. the nurse line can, can help her out wherever she's at. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that was that was a bit of, a little bit of a deviation from just the prevention topic. But, um, yeah. So, you know, I really think, you know, when you're talking about uh, the, the particular needs of schools or, you know, very particular needs of individual communities within our Warren County, for example, um, yeah, I see the trend being very much related to that COVID stuff. It seems to be that's still the discussion. We're seeing behaviors as a result of this, or the isolation or the whatever it is that was around COVID that just got spotlighted. Um, different issues that kids were having, um, a lot of classroom management behavior issues. Um, so I really think that it's cool that we're getting all these requests. Do you think um, the trend is going to stay with just work for kids or do you see work um, a trend in prevention education for, you know, teachers, school systems, or um, just other community, other types of community partners who are working with those populations? You know, it's a, it, that's a big question. And um, I just thinking back to a meeting I had this morning and, and talking about that, I think there are big things, there are big issues that school districts are dealing with and they're multi-generational and they're through the families and those sorts of things. And I think that at some point in time, we're going to have to address that. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to address some of the shortcomings of our current systems and figure out how we how we build them to be better, yeah. or you know change them to be better. Because um, I think there are ways that they can be better. Um, but you know, like anything, I think um, you know consistent messages are important. So mm-hmm. if I'm getting a message from my parents and I'm getting it from the school district and I'm getting it from my coaches and I'm getting it from everybody, then it's more likely to stick. Yeah. So I, I think in places where we can, where we can include families, we can include adults, um, we can sort of have that communication the same no matter where those where those kids are at. I think um, we're better off. I I couldn't agree more. That's kind of what I. I that's been my observation from COVID. Uh, since COVID, we've just learned to collaborate in different ways, and I feel like I feel like more so now than ever before. Prior to COVID. I feel like a lot of this work is so community oriented, so many people involved, different voices, different community partners. Um, I just think that's critical when we're looking at, because I think we are at the at the level of needing 
system change, not just this, you know, fixation on what kids need to learn. I mean, when I, when, you know, I talk with teens in our youth summit, um, they're all expressing, they want life skills courses. They want, it's not, they don't want this just traditional school system, you know, go to math class, go to, they want to learn life skills. They want to learn how to manage their own behaviors, their own uh, feelings, their own emotions. They want to figure out, um, I mean, a lot of kids were talking, um, you know, about, trades i mean my son uh all almost all of his peers they're not even looking at planning at college and they're they're looking at trades looking at staying local developing skill sets not just you know this you know i'm going to do really good on acts and go to college one day and get a job somewhere like they're managing stressors and anxieties it just feels like so much is going on um i think systems have to change with that with that too and i agree with you and so i think you know that shift to community more community um, the idea that not one person can be the answer to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to take a community like yeah. it always does. It takes a village. So I think it's going to take a village to do that. Um, and I think it's also important at looking at um, how do we meet kids where they are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes instead of instead of trying to meet kids where we want them to be, right. we've just got to meet them where they are. We, we look and we say, well, why aren't they here? We really want them here. And that's great that we want them here, but they're not there. Yeah. And so how do we meet them where we're, where they're at to provide the service, to provide the support, to provide the structure that they need where they're at, maybe to get them where we want them to go, or maybe just to help them get to where they want to go. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate you being on uh, the podcast, talking a little bit about, you know, some of the prevention uh, directions that prevention is going. Um, is there anything else you'd like to, you know, listeners to know about the Mental Health and Recovery Board? I mean, what, what do you fund? What's uh, just a general overview of who you are? Okay, so uh, general overview of the board. So the board system, without getting too deep, every county has a board. Yeah. Um, the board's goal is to plan, fund, and monitor mental health and prevention services in the county that it serves. So our job is to everything, the whole spectrum from promotion, prevention, intervention, treatment, and recovery. That's what we fund um, through a number of, of community providers. One of the things I will say is that um, obviously now with the advent of 988, for anybody mm-hmm. in crisis, they can certainly call 988. They can still call our local crisis number, which is uh, 513-695-6333. Okay. Uh, they can call the, the local crisis hotline. They can also text 4HOPE to 741-741. Any one of those will get them crisis help. Excellent. Wow. Hopefully this is a great year. Hopefully we see lots of change. And, uh, you know, we make a difference in our community. So thanks, thanks so much. much.